0: Ben and Matt's marvellous journey, this is an MCU podcast, we are looking at everything uh, from the year of 2022 in the year 2023, my name is Matt, I'm joined by Ben and this is episode 40, Werewolf by Night, Ben, it it got spooky last year, (laughs) Hollywood's worst kept secret, Uh, people were talking about this thing. I feel, at least a year before it came
1: out. Yeah, I can't remember when we started hearing about it, because obviously, like, there were all kinds of rumours that, like, Marvel are going to do a Halloween special in 2022, Mm -hmm. It it will release, and then, like, like Michael is directing it. It stars Gail Garcia Bernal Like here's all the information. It's gonna be filmed in the style of like a nineteen mm-hmm. of like a ham horror movie and all the rest of it, and everyone's like, Okay, cool. And then the weeks and months went by and nothing was mentioned and yeah. it is it it's announced at Comic Con, isn't it? Uh Ooh.
0: they officially acknowledged it like a month before was it D twenty three? I think it was D23. I think it was part of their slate of, like, you know, acknowledging there would be a Captain America 4 and, like, here's a trailer for Werewolf by Night and it's out next week and or two weeks from now or something. and Yeah, wow. and, and, like, yeah, so something to say up front is that, like, this is a character that is a deep cut even for, like, Marvel sickos. Like, I would consider... I wouldn't ever try and be like, I know more than, like, anyone about Marvel. Like, I am Mr. Marvel, but, like, I know I've know a fair bit. And I had never even heard of Werewolf by Night because he's not a character that pops up super frequently in this day and age. However, you know, as we've touched on in, like, episodes on Shang-Chi, uh, the 70s were a different time for Marvel. We had exploitation. we had kung fu, we had horror... Uh, And I believe, Benjamin, if we want to just go straight to Comic Corner, that is where we find one Jack Russell.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at this. So the Marvel Wikia has 177 credited appearances to Jack Russell, who is the Werewolf by Night, who's introduced in a Marvel Spotlight series, and they do like a three-issue kind of horror story about a werewolf and horror is obviously part of the bread and butter of comics like Mm -hmm. basically like the superhero genre kind of booms into life in the 1930s with these Supermans and the Batmans and it's kind of hot shit in the 30s and 40s we all know that Marvel gets into it with Captain America in the 1940s and you've got like the Submariner and the Human Torch and all these really really early characters who were all also kind of by technicality war comics at the same time. Like mm-hmm. they're kind of like like even Superman is is fighting Nazis and stuff like that whilst also doing the normal Superman. And
0: GI is passing comics around while at war and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
1: and then superhero comics kind of go away. Batman and Superman don't because Batman and Superman kind of like cement themselves in the culture, as does as does Wonder Woman. But like Marvel definitely are on the downswing in terms of superhero comics. And a lot of what makes up The publishing imprint around that in the 1950s and whatnot is is romance and horror are kind of the two things, even Marvel. When you you go back to those very first Marvel comics that feature the superheroes, quite often what they are is horror comics or in, like, horror like, here's a five-page kind of, like, spooky story that's kind of, like, telling the story of this person who who designed a machine to speak to ants and stuff like that, and and they're not really... (laughs) superhero comics in the way that we think of them now but horror was definitely a huge thing, that's where you get like EC comics, the kind of thing that Rob Zemeckis used to kind of like play around with, when you when you think of um, Tales of the Cryptkeeper yeah. that is very much riffing on on this kind of era of, of horror comics but as all things are cyclical superheroes come back on force in the 1960s and it's basically all that Marvel published for a decade is, like, sorry,
0: got... is some of that because of the comic book code Cracking yes. down on horror,
1: yeah, exactly, yeah. It is very much that where like th- th- this goes away, and I mean, it's always fun when people go back to like that horror era. I don't. Did you play What Remains of Edith Finch? Yeah,
0: uh,
1: you did. Like, because there's that one part of that game that's told in the style of like an old EC comic <laughs> story. Yeah. Uh, which is just a lot of fun but like that is very much what like people who were like particularly kind of like your baby boomers like coming up in their teen years they are really running rampant in this era of of horror comics and quite often when you hear again like Rob Zemeckis is a big one like he is someone with huge 1950s nostalgia built into him because that is when he was a teenager and and when he thinks of comic books that is what he his like model of of all this stuff is but yeah, comic book code comes in, everything kind of gets a little bit neutered, and so you end up with the 60s being Marvel doing the, the stuff we all know about. The Stanley, Jack Kirby, Miracle Run or Fantastic Four, uh, like Thor and X-Men, and just every single Marvel character that is the foundation of their entire publishing empire. And then, I, I don't know what it is that kind of comes around, but in the 1970s, There is a sudden surge of a very different kind of comic that's coming out. And it feels like the first generation of Marvel writers is kind of going away. Like it's not quite just the House of Stanley and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko at this point. You're moving on to second writers and third writers on X-Men, on an Avengers and stuff like that. And kind of unfairly, I feel, the 70s for Marvel is kind of pinned to this is the decade of the X-Men. Like mm-hmm. X Men, giant size X Men comes out in 1975, and basically that is the focal point of, of almost anything that you'll read about Marvel for kind of that 15 years. Like uh, 1975 to like 1991 is the heyday of Chris Claremont X Men, and it's it's. I mean, you've read the stories about this time and all the rest of it and there's so often like entire chapters devoted to the behind the scenes going on on x-men and how x mens kind of propping up the 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 entire house of ideas uh, at this point but marvel are getting weird behind the scenes and we've discussed it where they're being a little bit reactive because it is very much like well what what are they doing they're doing black sportation comics with luke cage they're doing kung fu riffs with with iron fist and with shang chi and i i think i have to assume this is kind of the the surge in the 1970s of kind of like television show of hammer horror and also like late night horror classics on tv that i feel like really really come to the fore in the 1970s but there's a a massive 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 surgence of horror stories again like a little bit softer horror stories but like this is the decade that is the introduced uh, introduction to to man thing to morbius the living vampire Mm. to werewolf by night as we're speaking here to blade to ghost rider to to all of these characters and quite a lot of them do hang around but they're all a little bit more spooky a little bit more related to the devil and a little bit more (laughs) related to kind of like things that go bump in the night this is this is the era that when you get to the 2000s, when they're saying we're going to make these movies, everyone's like, oh yeah, we're going to make R-rated movies about Ghost Rider, about Blade, about all these mm. different things. Yeah,
0: uh, and they, they were pl- <laughs> they were planning a Werewolf by Night movie in 2001, which is radical when <laughs> to <laughs> consider that years before we got Iron Man or the MCU or, you know, reel off as many known characters as you want werewolf by night was there first um and they just let it go cold eventually and you know there's there's rumors of like kevin smith wanting
1: to use him in kevin smith they were going to build up to that like the combination of all the shows like Modoc and hit monkey and all these different shows that can cross over into a into a final thing and he was like oh can i use Werewolf by night can man i thing. use uh, can i use man thing and they were like uh no no
0: Because we're doing it.
1: We're doing Um, doing something in the MCU. You can get the characters you don't care about in the MCU. So, I mean, which probably speaks volumes about how late in Ant-Man and the Wasp they decided they were using MODOK. Indeed. Um,
0: (laughs) God, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, so a long story short is that that is quite, there's a character that kind of goes away for a while. And, like, his legacy to me is that's where Moon Knight comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, from from reading up on Moon Knight and reading some Moon Knight and stuff like that, and you know, we were talking before we started recording. He he pops up in Daredevil very briefly and and, and stuff like that, but you know, not a guy that is front and center not somebody where you have to pretend you know exactly who he is, because it is kind of a niche character. Yeah,
1: and like, he, he shows up in things like, like I mean, what, the list of appearances he picks, like Spider-Man, West Coast Avengers, Doctor Strange, Morbius, mm-hmm. he's on the Midnight Suns, he's in the Legion of Monsters, but these are not things that, like, the mm-hmm. mainstream comics readers are, like, really into. This is the kind of stuff where, like, some writer who grew up in the nineteen seventies will come in and do a single issue where they'll go, like, wouldn't it be fun if I brought back this character from my childhood? But yeah. like we all know the characters that hit from this era are Blade and Ghost Rider in terms of them being published, and that's because they kind of quite seamlessly fit into nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties kind of edgelord comics. It's the ones that like a little bit more action-packed, a little bit more brutal. Yeah. And then and then kind of it's later on when Bendis is writing the Avengers in the in the 2000s that he's like oh I can resurrect Iron Fist and Luke Cage as like 1970s characters but no one has ever done the re- rehabilitation thing on Werewolf by Night because <laughs> I mean the name is kind of dumb.
0: Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: I think I think it's fair to say. I think part of that
0: like contributed to the whole wait what what are they doing? Because it's also the other thing to note is it is the first of what ostensibly are going to be many specials,
1: as i well, have called them. we say many.
0: Well, I, I'm saying, you know, it seems like it's going to be a thing they will do more of. Like, they had a little opening, a special opening title card made for their specials. If I, they were just going to do two, I don't think they would bother
1: doing no, that. No, I don't think they will do two, but I do think there is a, an important thing to say here is that they did two last year, but there is a very definite Rumbling of throttling down on direct Disney Plus content. Yeah, that feels like it's simmering. Based on like the delays in projects that we've got from this year, where we're kind of, I think at the start of the series we were like, yeah, we might get like Secret Invasion, Loki season two, and Ironheart this year. And now there's even question mark on is Ironheart mm-hmm. going to release in twenty twenty three? Is it just going to be a year of the three movies we've known about, even with the Marvels being delayed, kind of five months and we just get Secret Invasion and Loki Season 2, since those are the two that have had Sissel Reels. And
0: the show we don't talk about, what if, Season 2. but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there are these rumblings, they want to finally listen to people and cut back on how much they're putting out. But I actually think that would be a shame on this front, because I think these are such a good idea. To take your characters that would not justify a whole movie, that would not justify a whole TV show, but you can do something fun with them, get in and out in 30 to 40 minutes, and it's completely self-contained. There's really very little exposition given in this thing. No origin story for Jack or Elsa, Um, and perhaps we should dip back to Comic Corner for Elsa, but I don't know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, and I should just say up front, like, I am smitten with this thing. I know you are, like, positive, but less enthusiastically so than me and I just, when they released this I was like cool, can you do a lot more of this and a lot fewer TV shows please.
1: My main worry with this is, is this what they're going to do with like obviously they followed this up with Guns Galaxy the holiday special, which we're not going to do a dedicated episode for because it's it's very slight and it feels like it makes more sense to just slot it into a volume 3 discussion next year yeah as opposed, I, th- I to, uh, think like, the, even on this episode, it's too tonally kind of like weird to discuss this as yeah. we, one episode. We
0: talked about doing like a, a specials double bill roundup, whatever. But then it's like, what if one year they do three or five or one or whatever? Like, so I think we're just going to take them as they come. I think this one merits discussion. I think Guardians does not really like. We can give it five minutes in when we do <laughs> Volume Three um, at some point in the future. But yeah, I. <laughs> Definitely Guardians was a bit of a bummer after like how positive I was about this as a concept. But like I do still believe there are characters that you could just do thirty five minutes, forty minutes on, here they are, and then you could easily do a Midnight Suns movie where Jack, Elsa and Ted, man thing, all rock up and, and are and are part of yep. that. Um, and it would be fine. And you could probably soft reintroduce them, because, I mean, you didn't really explain who they are in this, so you could just have somebody say out loud who they are kind of thing. My response to them having so much shit was, what if you turned some of these, like, 500 TV shows into specials? And, like, I, even if it's bad, I would rather sit down and watch something bad for half an hour than yeah, for, like, I
1: just, eight weeks. <laughs> this just feels like... It, it's such a weird thing where, like, this this special in particular... Is so divorced from anything else that they're doing in the MC at the moment, unless you want to say that like Moonlight and Blade are kind of like setting up yeah. this supernatural corner of everything. But like, it feels like they probably want to do something big in this corner at some point yeah. based on like what projects they're doing. But like it's kind of two sets in total, <laughs> really. Uh, it's filmed in black and white, which I have to imagine does wonders for making this look a little bit more high-end than it probably really is. Like You probably can cut some corners in terms of it. But... It
0: was actually filmed in colour and they converted it in post, which was surprising to me, because one of my points was look at this compared to the black and white scene in Thor. <laughs> um, I think it's just down to it being better lit and framed, and so the black and white does it more favours. No, I I hear what you're saying and just yeah, like, I, I, just,
1: I just can't imagine like going to the Galaxy Holiday Special is all filmed on sets that they already made for Volume 3. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine them going like, yeah, we've I know we're working on the Nova TV show. Can we convert Nova into a yeah. special? And it's like, I feel like you need the special effects budget of something a bit bigger to do a mm. Nova any justice. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Potentially. That's the problem they, with space in general,
0: though. Like yeah. like you can draw people flying through space and it looks dope, but like when you have to actually translate that, it's like ugh.
1: <laughs> And then Wonder Man feels like it's threatening to be playing in the same realm as She-Hulk kind of thing, as like mm. a meta humorous kind yeah. of like look at superhero genre, which again, like yeah. if to do that justice, maybe you do need to do multiple episodes but then again as as your positivity around this is definitely well suited because this feels like it has an idea Mm -hmm. it gets in executes and then gets out within 50 minutes yeah like it's really kind of remarkable Mm -hmm. that it does and most of my issues with it come from i wish it committed a little bit more to being a hammer horror thing really okay like, just in terms of, like, I wish there was, like, more canted angles. I wish it, like... They
0: have cue marks,
1: Benjamin. This <laughs> is <laughs> um... true, true. And then and then the other thing is, it's still really, really slight. And I'm like, I don't know if it's
0: this... I, I No, I, I, I think it's night and day with Guardians in terms oh, of, like, how slight it is. Because, like, there are potential consequences that come out the back of this thing, whereas the Guardians, it's like, they have a little sing-song with Kevin Bacon and everything's fine. I mean, you know revealing that Mantis is Peter's sister,
1: I guess, could be a thing, but, like... That was this... a deleted scene from Volume 2 anyway, so it's, oh, like it? info- oh, okay. it's information that has existed since oh, okay. that movie came out.
0: Yeah, But, I mean, this could potentially serve as a, a soft prelude to a future thing, and, like, establishing... A, you know, you, you talked about it, that, like, it felt like, in a very aimless Phase 4, one thing they were doing was, sort of, staffing up, as it were, like, building teams quietly. Like, with every project, it's like, ah, there's a young kid who could be a young Avenger, or, ah, here's a spoopy boy, he could be a Midnight Sun, and so on and so forth. Like, you know, you've got Blade...
1: You've got the Black
0: Knight, you've got Moon Knight, you could have Doctor Strange in there if you don't think he's too big of a star to share the limelight. Um, I mean, I
1: think we we all need to discuss the definitive version of the team is the team from the video game, which of course (laughs) features uh, everyone's favourite spooky characters such as Iron Man, Hulk, Captain America, Mm -hmm. Wolverine, Spider-Man.
0: I was also sceptical about that, but they make it a whole thing where it's like the actual Midnight Suns. Don't get on well with the Avengers, and you, the player character, have to make these two teams cooperate. It it kind of works. That game kind of rules. Yeah, I
1: know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> it's a good game. I've not played it yet. It is just quite funny that when that trailer came out, I know, like, I know, probably...
0: when they're like, here are 13 characters, and none of them are like Moon Knight or, or Doctor Doom or like like loads of spooky people are left on the table. People who people
1: who use magic in yeah, the, in the yeah, MCU. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we obviously know. There's obviously more characters like this that are coming, and obviously they're cut off from being able to use Morbius, who is a very significant member of the Midnight Suns (laughs) But yeah, he's 1970s vampire character. It obviously makes sense for why he would be. And like, there's been rumblings that they're going to do a Ghost Rider at some point in something.
0: Ghost but, Rider is one of those characters that like like the Silver Surfer, people who have no general overall interest in comics are like yeah, Silver Surfer fucking rules and it's yeah. the same with Ghost Rider like
1: it's just that question of like who do they dip into like is the first time we see Ghost Rider going to be Nicolas Cage's back or is it going to be even more obscure and like the Ghost Rider from the the uh, Agents of Shield version played by Gabriel Luna. Gabriel, uh, yeah, yeah it, like, he's back. He's back himself. I mean, but then Gabriel Luna, like, he's had a really good career since he was an Agents of Shield. Like, he's on The Last of Us now. Yeah. He is the villain of Terminator Dark Fate. Like, yeah. he is no longer. I I, I think they are.
0: Version. I think they are currently in the comics very wedded to Robbie Reyes, who has a, a sick ass muscle car as the Ghost Rider. Like, every kind of use of Ghost Rider is him. But, like, I know Feige loves to go back to basics and origins and stuff, so, like, do you pass up on Johnny Blaze with his sick hog? I would go wild and see if you can get Nicholas Cage to play Johnny Blaze, like, mentoring Robbie Reyes, but maybe he wouldn't do it. But he made two of those fucking things because he loves Ghost oh, Rider so will much. Say, so. I
1: will say, like, completely on tangent, because I do want to recommend some comics off the back of this, <laughs> uh, if... If you want to go see some of the best art in comic books, I would recommend the Robbie Reyes initial run of All New Ghost Rider, which is drawn by mm. Tradmore, who is someone who I absolutely adore in this space. Like it's it's like not a great run, but like it's mm. nice that he stuck around. But like the design is really really yeah. um, notable, and the it's comic just looks like, gorgeous. It looks
0: great, that's the thing, and I think it modernizes and diversifies and everything. So yeah.
1: I would Uh, would go that way but yeah so also speaking of uh, of Tradmore like Doctor Strange Full Sunrise is uh, absolutely fucking incredible one of the best looking books ever if you want a Doctor Strange book like Mm -hmm. um, someone I know not someone I know so so, like someone Oliver Sava who used to write for AP Club did a whole piece on his Patreon about like how gorgeous that Doctor Strange book is it's Mm -hmm. like Probably the first Doctor Strange book that's actually playing in the same vein of like the Steve Ditko, like, let's take acid and read this comic book kind <laughs> yeah, of thing. Put
0: on our blacklight and read Silver Surfer for a bit. Yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, like, 100% recommended. But yeah, Midnight Suns definitely feels like it's being teased. It yes. is a shame that, like, we've got Blade, but, like, it feels <laughs> like you can't... Like, Midnight Suns, I, like Magic and Nico both feel like slam dunk members you can't really do now. mm at least where the MCU is at the moment, and it's like
0: it feels especially like
1: because, the, especially the, because both have been adapted in the last like five years outside of the the MCU proper.
0: Yeah, it feels like maybe the Midnight Suns are going to have to wait until post Kang. Like here they are, they're out there, but we won't bring them together until after all this is dealt with, kind of thing. But yeah, it dep- I mean that Blade like, movie is just not fucking happening, is it?
1: Well, I mean, like that we we know that there's a new director who's on board now. It's just whether or not like Mahershala Ali is apparently gonna be happy with the script for this thing, because I think he's Mm -hmm. at at least we know he's professional. And but he's his experience with the MCU so far has been the fake MCU that was on Netflix (laughs) that was being done by the television side, where he only had to show up for six episodes and not in the the new vein of movies where, like, the scripts aren't finished and you go into shooting without knowing what Act 3 is. So yeah. we shall see if a two-time <laughs> Oscar winner has the sway to actually, like, turn this into a, would, a good project. You would think.
0: You would think. I, would,
1: I mean, I, I, it's a slam dunk casting for him. Yeah. Uh, it would be great to have him lead a corner of the MCU that is maybe more kind of, like, stripped down, Like, let's make these things for $60 million and have them be kind of, like, a little bit grimy, a little bit dirty. Well,
0: so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, for me, as I'm smitten with it, I think it is doing so many things that Marvel either don't do at all or have gotten away from doing. Helpfully enough, just to date when we're recording this, I feel the last week, the latest Marvel discourse has been um, sharing the ending of the first Captain America (laughs) how these things used to look like movies and I saw somebody say commenting on the radio when was the last time in a Marvel movie an actor was reacting to a physical object that was definitely in the room with them and I was watching this and I was like this (laughs) like this is a I mean it's a set but you know I understand the location I understand where everything is they are reacting they are using the geography of the space to fight and to traverse and and all of this it is not just he's actually just on a green screen and we'll put it all in later like Elsa is climbing the set and stuff like that and and a vague attempt at choreography and fight choreography with you know Elsa is doing some Black Widow style takedowns and you know my favorite little moment when she rolls into that little sunken bed to retrieve a crossbow which by the by is attached to somebody's severed hand <laughs> <laughs> and then rolls back out to shoot him and it's just This is stuff they are just simply not doing, where, like, it has been so long since any Marvel thing looked like it took place in a real goddamn place, Um, other than just the same fucking street they use every time, and, you know, their their pretensies, like, magical realms and stuff. Like, it's... For that alone, I I applaud it. Um, I applaud that it's just brief and stylized and gets in and out, as we said, and just just gets going, and...
1: I think when I say that this movie doesn't quite go far enough, what I'm thinking of is like I want this to look like the Edgar Wright trailer for Don't <laughs> from the from the Grindhouse movies. I want it to sure. feel like that, where it's like like you know like it looks cheaper than it is cuz i do think this movie like especially when man thing shows up it's like oh this thing's got a budget and i'm not saying you need to make man thing look like it's a guy in a suit because i don't think well it is Marvel a guy have... in a
0: suit they then just slapped a bunch of cgi on top of it and that was actually surprising to hear i was like oh there would no way have a guy in a suit i also learned that the moon knight costume is a real suit it just looks like shit <laughs> um, anyway <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. I wish it looked a little bit more like cheap-ass horror kind of I mean, because
1: but... I I watched a very long movie last year called Le Fleur, which mm-hmm. the whole point of it is it's kind of like it's five or four or five individual chapters kind of like all filmed in a different style and whatnot. And the first one of those is a very obvious take on exactly this kind of era of horror where it's like it's a B-movie, they mm-hmm. find a mummy, and the mummy's going to like put a curse on them and stuff like that. And my big issue with that entire... Section of the movie was like Why is it not filmed like a B movie Like it's filmed the exact same way That every other chapter of the movie is Because it's what the director's mm-hmm. style was And this is closer to it Than uh, than LaFleur was But it's still like oh, I want just a touch a, Just a tiny touch more than I, what you're giving me i just and, like, again, i think i think it, it does look great it, it like i do like the black and white photography i do think like i like the cheapness of the way that it kind of like the sets look like yeah. it looks fake in a in appealing way which yeah. is different to like how the quantum realm looks in quantum mania where it's like it's kind of fake in an unappealing way <laughs>
0: yeah. like um, the maze kind of looks like it could be a miniature or something it's probably actually cg but like but then elements of the maze are definitely real or whatever and, and yes yeah
1: um, and it's nice that like you recognize like certain locations in it where like it's very yeah. obvious they've only got like three individual sections of this built and they're just running through it from different angles and yeah, moving like, the corridor
0: and yeah, yeah yeah I just think if you compare this to the problem they've had with um, WandaVision division and, and and other things where they're like trying to riff on something and they're not really getting that close. I think this is getting way closer than any of that yeah. stuff is. One
1: hundred percent. I think that is the, the biggest thing to it, and it is just a shame that like my biggest issue is like ah oh, just five percent, five percent more, and I think you <laughs> really, really got something here. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, which is, I think everyone in this is really fun. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like Gail Garcia Bennell's really fun Laura yeah. Donnelly's really fun Harriet Sampson Harris like coming back from her fantastic supporting performance in licorice pizza is is really fun
0: I like all the other hunters
1: yes yeah. uh, really fun designs I I text you whilst I was re-watching this the other <laughs> night and I was like what is... Does he actually have 100 kills or not? Yeah, like, I think
0: he does. I think he... Like, he's... does
1: Ulysses know that he's a werewolf and is fine with it because he only kills bad monsters? Has he taken the place of another hunter? Mm. Like, does he actually... Like, does he only hunt when he's a werewolf, but has somehow trained himself to only hunt monsters? It's just like there's this big black hole at the centre of the characterization <laughs> of this movie that, like, having this be a hunter contest where it feels like he's a legitimate entrant... Mm-hmm kind of just leaves me a little bit confused about whether or not like is there intentionality to what he's doing or is it like a massive mistake and he's like yeah i'm here because
0: i I think it's more just i think yeah no i think he kills monsters i think he probably has killed people by accident and i think he doesn't revel in what he does but he does factually have 100 monster kills or whatever um, and, and has a medallion and maybe Ulysses knew but um, Varusa does not I, I I don't know I don't think it matters I think it plays into his characterization where like he almost looks like he's wearing like a priest's outfit um, yes I think it's a suit like he has a tie which I, c- I couldn't make out what the pattern is on it I was, I was trying to pause and like see what the pattern on this tie was but like you know between his like ancestral makeup and like the way his suit or, or costume looks like I just read it as, like, he is just dousing this character in Catholic guilt, combined with, um, what I like to call dog acting, (laughs) where he scratches behind his ear in a certain way, and he walks around in a circle before sitting down, and he can smell the blood on Jovan's hands and stuff, you know.
1: (laughs) Same school as acting as Channing Tatum in, um, (laughs) in Jupiter Ascending. Uh, yeah, sure. (laughs) Sure. No, I, I think it's more just around when he is fighting as Jack before he becomes a werewolf, mm. he is not very good. He doesn't really fight. He avoids... He, he, when he
0: comes upon Elsa, he's like, I think we should just pass each other by. When Jovan attacks them both, he kind of just fucking skips out and lets her <laughs> attack him. Yeah, he, he seems dis... He is there to free the man thing who... Varusa has attached the bloodstone to, which inhibits manthing's powers. Whichever hunter takes down the Man-Thing and claims the stone gets to be immortal. Elsa is the reluctant, you know, she is the estranged daughter of of, of Ulysses. Varusa hates her, she has a right to enter, and Jack is our sort of mysterious, sympathetic lead character. And uh, yeah, I mean, they, they are the nice two, they bond, I love them sort of sitting down and talking in the mausoleum. And, yeah, like, it's very simple. Like, he is just there to get Man-Thing, who he knows as Ted, out. Elsa wants the stone, therefore let's team up. You can have the stone, me and him will leave. But he is, of course, turned into the werewolf by the bloodstone, so.
1: Shall we do comic book corner on... Elsa. Theodore Ted Salas. Oh, and okay. Elsa Bloodstone. Cause... Sure. I
0: mean, should preface it by saying, like, <laughs> I've literally been begging them to put Elsa in the MCU for a very long. Yeah, time. Yeah, was she
1: number one on your list? <laughs> she you wasn't number one, but she was in there. I now, in, I now want to look uh, into the real world. Don't look at it. Don't characters at you it. should join the MCU. Don't look at
0: my accidental
1: racism. So I've got Hercules.
0: It, I think Hercules might have been number one. Elsa's,
1: no- Elsa's number ten. Who is yeah. there? Captain yeah. Britain, not yet. Spider Woman is getting uh, is in. This is the Madam Webb movie, so, so tick on her. The Century is coming.
0: Uh
1: huh. Moondragon and Philavelle. Probably Not not <laughs> not, not yet namor is here we've yep. got namor yeah uh angela mm, we'll see mm-hmm. nova is in the in the crux being cast but it's not richard Ryder nova it'll be yep. the Mistake. Version most likely Sam and um, brett goldstein is hercules so like a lot of your list i got most
0: of them <laughs> and it just goes to show like i mean the news that namor was actually definitely in black panther came quite late because i was asking for namor and that feels like Forever ago, that we knew that no more was coming. um Yes, I just like Elsa Bloodstone, but yeah, why don't I mean, you I, tell us about her?
1: <laughs> Elsa is a character, re, one of the relatively new characters on this list, very similar to America Chavez, where she debuts in a miniseries uh, written by the saviors of the Gardens of the Galaxy, Dan Abner and Andy Lanning, in 2001. She is the son of a kind of like of Ulysses Bloodstone, who's been showing up for for a while at this point. Again, he's introduced in the 1970s, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the same kind of like I think he actually debuts in the same comic that uh, like Marvel Presents, which is kind of like a a ability for them to kind of do little short stories and stuff like that. It didn't run that super long, but they introduce her as the daughter of this character who's about 25 years old at this point, and explicitly. Elsa Bloodstone is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer riff, because this is at peak Buffy. She is a young, blonde female monster hunter, but importantly, she's British. uh, Which is what makes this incredibly ironic, in that the person who they cast to play Elsa Bloodstone in this TV show is of course the lead of Joss Whedon's The Nevers, which is his latest Te- i'm not even gonna call that television find because she's been around for a while she's on outlander she's got she's the lead in like britannia i believe mm-hmm. so like this isn't a, a certified joss whedon like stamp of approval find it's him coaching or someone else but she was the lead of a of a joss whedon television show mm-hmm. so there is a full circle moment right there however i i do need to implore all of you anyone who is listening to this right now Stop! What stop listening to this because this is—it's not going to be as good. I need you to go read Next Wave like immediately. I know, I know Warren Ellis is problematic as all hell,
0: uh-huh.
1: but Next Wave is one of the most incredible twelve-issue runs of comics that you will find. It is hilarious. It is like they like it's the kind of thing that I wish Marvel would have the balls to adapt into a, into a movie. I don't think they could possibly do it. I don't think they could do it justice, but like the image of Elsa that is on the Wikipedia page and like almost everywhere is from Stuart Im- Im- Immons drawing of her in next wave, where she is a, a swearing gun, gun toting uh, huntress. And it's so good. It's so funny. Please, 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 yeah. please, 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 please go read that book. Yeah. Um, and that's the most important thing she's ever been in. She kind of, like, one of the characters who, like, shows up every so often in a bunch of stuff, like, she'll show up in, like, things where there's, like, supernatural things happening. I think she was on, like, the, the Fearless Defenders, which was the all-female kind of spooky-adjacent girl team that they did for a while. So, like, again, it, it similar to... Werewolf by Night, like, not a character who's had, like, a super long run where she's a solo character, but what slots well into a team, and slots well into spooky horror things that happen every so often.
0: She's a ladette, she kills monsters, she loves, like, packing a couple of shotguns, that kind of shit, and, yeah, she's just fun, and they need fun. Laura Donnelly, obviously, I mean, she keeps the element of, like, it's not really... I think of Elsa as having more of a youthful defiance... I guess, in that Buffy sort of vein, where she goes more with, like, she's just weary. You're like, fuck off, mate, kind of thing.
1: It <laughs> yeah. is interesting that, obviously, Laura Donnelly is in her 40s at this yeah. point. So it's, like, it's definitely not the kind of casting they would been making where, like, the people they've been putting investments into is, like, here's Iman, here's yeah. Florence Pugh, here's uh, well, we Hayden Steinfeld. Yeah, we
0: don't need ten things with Elsa in them.
1: <laughs> but, no, 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 I'm not saying that. But it is interesting where, like... It very obviously is not going to be. She is not the lead of the MCU, but it's a it's a fun casting choice. Yeah. She's really good in this role. I hope we see more Elsa. I hope we see more comedic, sweary Elsa in yes. the future. But I, we'll I think see. I think
0: they the way this ends with like her inheriting the mansion and the stone and like you know she is a seasoned monster hunter kind of thing. I think it sets her up quite well to presumably be a like key pillar of the spooky corner, where Jack could almost be her, like, almost quiet, mild-mannered bud, where she is, like, trading barbs with Oscar Isaac and Benedict Cumberbatch and Mahershala Ali, and... Yeah, I I hope she comes back. I mean, it isn't quite the Elsa that I was expecting, but I'm just really happy the character's here, and I do like what she did with it. I think putting the transformation scene on her reacting to it and the silhouette of him changing kind of thing, I think that was good choice and it needed I needed to believe that she was afraid despite all the shit she'd seen kind of thing and I think that worked really well and then there's Ted
1: (laughs) and there's Ted man thing a confusing
0: Um, origin like I was trying to look into this like which one is a ripoff of the other out of swamp thing and man thing
1: but they're both kind of made by the same person who were living together no well
0: I mean the people who wrote the first issues were living together and yes. like the first issue of one comes out first, and then like the first issue of the other comes out, and then the <laughs> I think it was the, like... yeah. So
1: ma- Man Thing and Swamp Thing are very similar in yeah. terms of their concept. Obviously, Len Wein is the creator of Swamp Thing, um, and then uh, he was he was Jerry Conway's roommate, right. Who is one of the four credited creators on Man Thing, which is Stanley Roy Thomas Jerry Conway, and Gray Morrow, and they were and obviously the thing with Swamp Thing is. The Swamp Thing that everyone knows and likes doesn't even come fully formed until you get to the 1980s when Alan Moore takes over, yeah. but these two characters are kind of like side by side for quite a while, like both kind of like creatures from like riffing on Creature from the Black Lagoon, yeah. almost, in, in a lot of ways, kind of like eco-friendly Kind of like horror. I represent the
0: planet. I'm going to kill all humans. Yeah, yeah.
1: Steve Steve Gerber, best known for creating How the Duck, is is well known for a run on on Man Thing. Uh, Again, never a character that kind of like really pops off. That's the thing is like this is a safe haven for characters who have at one point (laughs) run run a comic, but never really have done enough to kind of like necessitate a full run.
0: I think you are far more likely to have seen Man Thing pop up. Over the years, than you are yes. the other two here because he is he is useful for like a big event comic. Um, yes,
1: quite often, like if you want to foreshadow that something big is happening, you will include Man Thing in like a splash page mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh, something has gone wrong with the the planet's ecosystem, and therefore, like the, the he, it is rebelling in some way." He's, I,
0: he's got his like nexus of reality and all this sort of stuff, has not yeah. he?
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't. There's there's definitely one comic book. Event that he's in in the last couple of years, where like the entire page is like built around his face. I remember this <laughs> distinctly, and I cannot remember what the yeah, comic book is. He's
0: got his little uh, Cthulhu-esque jowls, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. Whereas and, Swamp Thing's just got more of a just a normal face kind of.
1: Thing. Yeah, and it's but it's also funny that both Man Thing and Swamp Thing have like well, well not well known, but like very cheap versions of the mo- of a movie done kind yeah. of like at some point like man thing the movie came out in 2005 i have to assume it was when these rights are being sold off to like really shitty yeah. t- things in the in the run of marvel is bankrupt yes
0: so fun i can never remind people enough that marvel were fucking in the dirt before they relaunched everything and became this almost insufferable juggernaut.
1: <laughs> I mean, there was literally an article the other day which was like, an analyst has said that the best way for Marvel to regain the the solo character rights to, um, to Hulk and to Namor is for them to give Comcast Hulu in exchange for Jesus. those character rights back. Because they <laughs> cannot release a theatrical Hulk movie or a theatrical Namor movie...
0: Aren't the rumors that they getting apocalypse? Hulk back though,
1: or like yeah, maybe think, they're getting around it by calling it World War Hulk, and
0: it's like an ensemble Hulk movie instead of a solo it, Hulk movie? Yeah,
1: it might end up being like Avengers Hulk or something like it, it, like that will be how they get around it. But mm-hmm. like, I mean, if if they're doing the stuff that they're doing here, and again, like the rumors of of who certain people are playing in Thunderbolts is true, then. Maybe they are building up to this, but mm-hmm. God knows it doesn't fit for the character at the state where he is right now, because yeah. we haven't had an actual, like, Hulk on a Rampage movie now in... Yeah, he got a little bit 70, too popular 70s. with kids,
0: is the problem. Like, I distinctly remember my co- my colleague, um, a place I used to work, he took his kids to see Avengers and they had to leave in the middle of it because his kid was so afraid of Hulk. And he was like bummed because he really wanted to watch Avengers and they went again and then he was like, oh, now Hulk's his favourite character. Like he made it through the scary bit and now he loves Hulk. And I think that Hulk's popularity with kids has pushed him in this way where he, there's a very, I mean, you're getting a bit of it here with Ted and you get it with Groot where it's like giant hulking thing that like says cutesy or funny things kind of thing. And like the, the, the Ted stuff feels like it's riffing off of Groot but like, the most pop, like, Hulk has been around for fucking forever. Enormously popular. Most of his comics suck. The most popular one in recent times is the one where they're like, let's make him a fucking horror show. Like, yeah. let's make the Hulk a supernatural, like, oh my god, it's the Hulk kind of Yeah, thing.
1: again, written and drawn in such a way where it looks like the old EC comics from the 1950s <laughs> and, 19- and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like very explicitly that. It's just weird. I, I don't know if I brought it up on the She Hulk episode or not, but like, the size discrepancy between Abomination and Hulk. In that show is kind of bonkers, and it's like I know it's a conscious decision where, like, current Hulk banner where he's like at peace with himself is Uh kind of like sized down, he's still big, but he's like I told you all,
0: I told you all in Endgame that Smart Hulk was a bad concept, anyway. Um, yeah, so the man thing thing they're going for here, like, you know, they've softened him, he's a He's a big teddy bear if you're his friend. ted teddy bear. Um, (laughs) If you're his friend. uh, His powers, don't, isn't it? He only burns you if you have fear in your heart,
1: or something like that. Uh, It's one of of those ones, on the Wikipedia we have... Oh, God, no, no. Superhuman strength, durability and stamina, empathetic senses... Chlorokinetic Regeneration, Size Alteration, Corrosive Chemical Secretion, Teleportation, Portal Creation, Fear Empowerment, Reality Guardianship, and Plant Manipulation.
0: I think that Fear Empowerment thing is tied to it, cause like, you see, he put, he squeezes Jovan's head and burns it to nothing. And then at the end he grabs Varusa, both hands, and just chucks her across the room and she's dead, like, but I think if he, if he touches characters that do not have fear in their heart then it's fine. But yeah, like, I I don't hate it, it's just, it's not my fave, the way they, I mean, I don't know what I would do instead, but like, I guess I don't love this whole, like, subversion of the monster thing that happens all the time. I guess it goes hand in hand with, you know, they're building a spooky corner, and part of the point of this is that not all monsters are bad, kind of. Well, thing.
1: So <laughs> if the plot of Blade turned out to be, he's hunting Werewolf by Night and Ted. <laughs> yeah, would that disappoint you, or would you want Blade to is be the thing that is
0: on the table?
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's a thing that's. I'm just saying, like, if you've made this, uh, no, and the I th- won't. And the thing we're the thing we're begging for is more of these Marvel projects to matter within kind of like sure. a year of them debuting. Like, sure, I, I guess think that it's... would
0: be hypocritical of me to be like, it's cool that they just show up and then we never see them again, but nothing's teased at the end here with a new character or anything.
1: I guess um... I don't think it's I don't think it's hypocritical. I think there someone was posting the other day about people's issues with the MCU and how they're like, you can't dislike Thor and dislike Ant-Man for the opposite reasons, where Thor feels like it's not setting anything up and is completely standalone, and Ant-Man feels like it's setting up too much and I'm like, I what I, I can, want actually, it turns
0: out <laughs> <laughs> I'm very powerful that way
1: <laughs> What I want is I want standalone stories that feel consequential to their characters I guess is kind of yeah, like yeah, where yeah, I'm yeah, coming yeah, yeah. to, whereas I don't want the plot of something to be nakedly setting up a future project at the expense yeah. of like the thing I'm actually there for and I want the solo projects to matter to the character's forward yeah. progression rather than feel like this weird Who's, as we said yeah. at the end of Thor, Thor feels like he's progressed nowhere by the end mm-hmm. of he's just found his family that actually wants to be yeah. with him by the end of I, that food. I felt narratively satisfied by
0: Werewolf by Night. I feel all the characters had their own little journey as as small as it is. And I'm cool with those people just being there until they want to pick them back up. And I think, especially with the horror corner, it makes sense to like say, oh, they're all out there, they all go bump in the night, but like n- most people never see them. I mean, the werewolf of it all, like he does transform. I'm, I'm not in love with the costume or the look. I think no, werewolves there, are hard. Yeah, I, I've been a, watching was... Buffy, and the <laughs> way they did werewolves, fucking sucked. But... I do really appreciate the way that he is a fucking hurricane of violence once he turns into the werewolf. Um, yeah,
1: I think the issue is is that, like, you're always... If you're doing this kind of style thing, you're always going back to that 1950s hammer horror kind of look. Uh-huh. And then, if you're going to go full horror, then you're doing American Werewolf in London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, we all know what that yeah. transformation sequence looks like. Sure.
0: Yeah, as I say, I like that, you know, they naively think they can keep him contained. Of course he busts out. He fucking murders everything in sight. You know, this thing is more violent than Marvel normally gets to be. Um, yeah, there's
1: blood in places.
0: Yeah. Um, he, Limbs get he, taken off. He rips someone's throat out and the blood splatters onto the camera. Kind of like that. You know, Elsa does that thing where like there's a sword in the floor and she pulls one of the hunter's heads down into it kind of thing. And she embeds a sword in the head of one of the other hunters. It's like, oh, wow, okay. Um, you know, it's not like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of it, it but... feels like this is the pitch where if, like maybe you can just get this to be a PG-13 but like this is where you kind of want Blade to end up really mm. like not let's not go like if you don't go hard R then maybe this kind of like middle well middle ground
0: you can do extreme harm to non-human things, I believe are yes. the rules because that's why in all the cartoons, the ex- like Wolverine is shredding Sentinels because you can't just have him gutting humans in every episode, um, and you can do like unspeakable things to to the, to robots and, and aliens and shit like that. But they just I,
1: can't have red blood and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. I just, Which is I, why Morbius is after plasma in the animated TV show.
0: He is. and he's got little hand suckers. <laughs> he doesn't bite people, even though he's got the fans. Um, God damn it! No, I I like that. You know, you can see him murdering guards in that hallway where he first came in, um, with all the like hieroglyphics on the walls and the Latin and everything. And yeah, just reusing the set that way. And I appreciate. Who's your
1: Who's your favorite hunter?
0: I mean, Joven. Culturally, I, I have to stay loyal. Um, I think they're all pretty good. To be honest. Um,
1: I mean there's the t- the I like the ones that they actually fight in the maze. The two that kind of like are hanging around at the yeah. end where like they're just the heavies at the end. We've got well. Azarol
0: and Barasso are the two that survive to the end, I believe.
1: Yes. Um, and they're they're kind of like, yeah, they're, they're they're fine, but like they're definitely not like the most fun of all of them.
0: No, yeah. I mean I I appreciate the resisting the urge. To have, like, here's a Wakandan, here's a, you know, like, like tying them all explicitly to groups we've seen before. Like, I think we've got too many easter eggs and cutesy things at this point. So I appreciate them, just have fun with it. Here are just four or five distinct hunter designs, kind of thing. Yeah, I, you know, there isn't a lot to, like, we've, we've basically talked for the runtime of the damn thing, and a lot of that was explaining where these characters come from in comics, but... I just appreciate... And also, I i forgot to mention, you know, that Michael Chiaccino comes in and, like, this is a fucking composer. He has directed mm. literally two... I think, short films or something. He...
1: What, sir? This is, like, the second thing he's directed, I think, where he did the order. He did a short film in 2018 called Monster Challenge. He did one of the Star Trek short treks in 2019. This is his first kind of, like, thing longer than the short, and then immediately after this is announced and comes out, he is signed on as the director and composer of Them, which is obviously a remake of the um, giant ant movie from the 1950s. I just... Uh, I...
0: For him to come in and, not to dismiss short film work and and short episode work, but basically his first thing, and do something more visually interesting and more finely crafted than seasoned filmmakers have done. Like, embarrassing for them, I think. It's Um, so
1: funny to think that the first thing I would have heard his work on would have been the Medal of Honor games (laughs) in the early 2000s like he is the in-house composer on the Medal of Honor games he even does like the early Call of Duty games as well or some of the early Call of Duty Mm. games gets signed on to do the Incredibles and then basically from there he's like the Pixar in-house guy, he's the J.J. Abrams in-house guy because obviously he does Lost, he does Alias and then from there I feel like he is now probably the, other than John Williams maybe the best known composer by name to like a normie, because like he's done the Marvel fanfare, he's he scored the Batman and he scored Jurassic World and he scored all these Pixar movies and he's yeah. the Spider-Man composer and all the rest of it. Like he is so firmly well known at this point, yeah. and now he is in his fifties to making a late career pivot into directing as well. Yeah.
0: And it seems like he's good at it. Um, yeah, I
1: just like that. And like he he definitely knows what he wants to do as well, because yeah. like you look at what he's done and it's like he's done. Monster, ch- that monster thing, Werewolf by Night and them are all like a straight line in yeah. terms of what his influences are and I'm like, cool
0: Also, that- don't think I didn't notice him picking up a little tip from uh, his work on Mission Impossible specifically, is it Ghost Protocol where everything doesn't work? Yes, it is. Yes, and we have the bomb doesn't stick and like the little claw doesn't quite work right I, Top marks. Yeah, so I mean there it is, you know, as I said Elsa ends up with the stone, you know, she survives the werewolf thing because he imprinted on her enough, he, he took her scent, it, it only worked once before, please tell me the one time it worked before in a future thing. <laughs> yeah, and she's got a mansion and she's got the bloodstone, so she's immortal. Sorry, one more thing I should mention, I do appreciate that, like, if you take a little bit of artistic liberty with technology, this could kind of work as... as something that happened in, like, the 50s or the 60s or something. Mm, obviously, obviously, the bomb... I don't know, but, like, it's it feels like something that could be in a schlocky 60s spy movie where, like, oh, we have a tiny explosive that sticks to things kind of thing.
1: So I do, I do have one thing to ask, is... Yeah. The ending. Mm-hmm. Where... So I like the first step of this... Where Elsa is sat in the chair holding the bloodstone, and then oh, it goes, the color comes back. It in. goes the color comes back in, but it's kind of a very like saturated color that does. I, look I appreciate
0: like, that they do that that like it it comes back in. it feels like early Technicolor kind of yes,
1: hundred percent. but then I feel like they really hit it over the head by playing over Somewhere the rainbow. Over, yeah, 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 and yeah. then and then you have <laughs> the final scene with Ted and Jack like in color as well. yeah, and I'm like, I, I don't I like that one as much. <laughs> No, that's the thing, is like, it, it's obviously there is like the jokey MCU tack to this thing, and I'm like, no, I think no. you end with Elsa and the Bloodstone and having yeah. it look Technicolor, yeah. where, versus this, where it's like, oh, we're, it looks more like a classic Marvel thing. Yeah. Which kind of undercuts what you've done for the last... Yeah. And we, we so. talked
0: in, in, in Love and Thunder about how like it is such a cliche at this point to have black and white with one object in colour, but I think, again, it works better here than it did in Thor. And again, I I just can't say enough about how well I think it was shot compared to... Like, you know, we're obviously not saying this is... (laughs) Like, my one go-to example all the time is, like, any random episode of Barry would melt the brains of people that only watch MCU stuff. Just because there will be three shots in an episode that are, like, more complicated than anything Marvel tried to do. But, like, by what has become Marvel standards... And that person is right. Those things did used to look like movies in the sort of phase one-ish or did, era. It,
1: very funny that the other discourse I saw this week was people looking at the blocking in Avengers because obviously they hired <laughs> a TV director to direct the Avengers, uh-huh. and he was kind of, uh, again, like, the point that someone made was like, yeah, but like when you're working on a TV show, you kind of think about the four shots you want to compose really nicely and everything else is just kind of redundant. Mm-hmm. I still think Avengers is a mass- magic group, even if I do agree... Yeah the blocking in that thing is really, really rudimentary and the composition of shots <laughs> is really, really rudimentary. rudimentary. Uh, it's still a magic trick that movie works. Yes. Uh, it definitely is not, like, weeding upped his game massively between Avengers and, and Age of Ultron and
0: yeah.
1: I do kind of hope that, like, you give you give Giochino more to do and he gets to up yeah. his game more from this. I mean, hell, I don't know why Marvel didn't give him Blade off the back of this. I know yeah. he probably signed on to them, but like you've just had this guy who's just done this thing who's been like working for you for years and you've let him go off to another company and instead you're you're hiring I don't even I can't even remember the name of the uh, yeah. person they've signed on for Blade at this point but well, like both of the names they've had of people who you're
0: like who and like this feels like one well, I know we say it all the time this one needs to be special but I do think Blade does need to be pretty special given how seared into people's brains the the visuals and style of Blade the original trilogy
1: are Manch who is directed like Top Boy in seventy one. So he's done he's done some stuff. He directed like Lovecraft Country, which I don't know whether or not like mm. they wanted to find someone who'd worked with with Jonathan Jonathan Majors, uh, but like it's definitely not like a super super exciting name. And I can't remember the name of the person who who dropped out the first one. But again, it was a similar kind of like early in their career pull kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously Giacchino is still that, but like. We've known Giacchino for a while, and he's made something stylized and something interesting. And it's yeah. like I'd rather see him get a shot rather than yeah. continually going to people who haven't really had time to kind of like establish yeah. a visual palette all of their own.
0: Yeah,
1: and I like the stuff that the Blade. Like I like Dead Set, which he directed. Oh, I like that. Uh, from the director of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, like the whole thing with Dead Set is it's kind of filmed in the style of Big Brother, right, so it's yeah. like it's not. Yeah, so it's not really.
0: You're uh, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know, just to to bring this full circle, like I just think this is a shot in the arm stylistically. I'm not under the illusion that it's going to convince them to suddenly start building real sets and, and stuff like that. They are not going to get away from the thing that made them a billion dollar powerhouse with all their green screen shit. But for me, it's like everything is in some way compromised and like. Even the stuff I like, there's something about it. Where I'm like, ugh. And this is just, ugh. Oh, this was just fun. This was a fun evening to watch this. Um, and I've seen it three times and I've, I've enjoyed it every single time. So I would love if future specials were like this. But as you say, doubt, there is some doubt if we'll even get many more specials. And also, the second one sure did
1: suck. Um. Uh, right. Uh, so I think we've got something very important to do now. Which we do. Is- Matthew, yes, convince me mm-hmm. why Gail Garcia Bernal should ah. be on the all-Marvel list.
0: Convince me why he should not.
1: I want your pitch first before I'm, I... I, I... I'm
0: the dog acting, basically. <laughs> um, I think he's actually genuinely really good, but I think he's also doing well with the compassionate, you know, when he's trying to help her with her injury, and he's talking solemnly about his mysterious past, and... and You know, there is a weight that you can see on this man who changes against his will. Um, But then he's also able to inject that levity here and, you know, he's doing a couple of little jokes. I think it's great. Like, it's a very physical performance. A lot of Marvel is just quips. And to get to do something slightly more interesting than that, I think, merits reward. There's also the fact we've got, like, fucking something like four picks to play with, (laughs) or three at this point. So I can't remember how many we've got, but...
1: We we have a few that are floating around, and so this is just like, will we finally get someone off a of Maybe pile and actually do a definitive? Like They are on the list.
0: I feel better um, about him being on than... I don't know, give me people from the Maybe part, Christian Bale. Uh, Christian Bale, Oscar
1: Reiser, Charlie, Riser, Cox, Charlie Oscar
0: Cox. Cox. Yeah, I feel better about him in this than I do any of them in their things. I think there is something compromised or an asterisk next to every one of those performances whereas I feel this guy nailed what they asked him to do. He also was playing the werewolf. Um and, you know, the costume may not be amazing, but like, you know, there is a physicality about and some of it is probably stunt work and CG and blah blah blah. But like the elements were like, that is actually him. It's like good on you. You you came and you gave a physical performance and I would like to recognise that.
1: My whole thing just comes back to I kinda wish there was more meat to this character and I just needed a little bit more, and just in terms of like what his motivations are, because I feel like like I don't want to say the movie or the the special kind of slow rolls him being a werewolf. Like it feels like it's supposed to be a little bit of a surprise when he does turn into a werewolf. Sure, and I'm um, and I'm like I kind of wish like obviously they foreshadow it and stuff yeah, like that. But I, like I
0: think that's my thing is I think his performance is you're getting little hints from how that are coming from him not just this I mean I guess you can write in the script he scratches his ear and he walks in a circle before sitting down and, you know, stuff like that. But I just think the way he, he plays that role, um, and he's got you know, he's got very kind eyes, he's very sympathetic, nice boy. I just think we need a wholesome, nice little torn werewolf man on our list.
1: I mean I, I, I love banal.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It should come as no surprise to anyone who, who knows me listening to this podcast that one of my favorite movies is Itumama Tambien, uh-huh. like, like horny horny queer vibes from that movie, <laughs> uh, like my introduction to, Di- uh, like most of the world, the introduction to Diego Luna and, and Banal <laughs> in that movie jerking off over a swimming pool. Like, Indeed. it's it's very hard for you to get that image out of your brain. Um <laughs> Obviously, also in like, bad
0: education. It can education. be formative for some people.
1: <laughs> it it yeah. could be formative for some people. Uh, oh, you got bad, bad, bad education? No. Uh, <laughs> like, just, like, I, I really liked him in old as the, one of the sole old defenders in the world. He's in Station Eleven, okay, which is obviously a fantastic miniseries. I just, I didn't get that, like, magic from him. I'm not, you're obviously really passionate about this performance I don't want to like harshen it I, just... I mean I'm not
0: saying it's one of the very best ones ever and I know and to some extent the whole point of all marvel is these are the best ones ever but like if we take if we take it in a vacuum of like in this project was there a person who was giving a really great performance and I think he was personally like I feel unapologetically good about this as a project and I think he's good in it and it's a you know it's a three-hander essentially four, if you want to include a monster i don't i mean i i understand it's not a slam dunk absolutely write his name on the list in pen i'm happy for him to be on in pencil and we can have some arguments later i also don't want to end i don't want to come to the end of uh of this slate of of episodes and still have like four picks going spare because we're like mm, maybe about but the thing so is, many guess,
1: people. My question is, is like, is that because we have now reached a point where like the material so is the, yeah the material <laughs> isn't there to kind of like offer this thing and like we like we have to reach back more into the early days of Marvel like for like is there an argument <laughs> that like when we get to the end of it like do we actually need to go back and go like maybe Renner does need to be on this for Hawkeye. Sure. kind of, kind of thing like, like does Simu Lu need to be on for Shang-Chi like when we've mm-hmm. got these these picks and stuff like that yeah. if, we do, if we do say that he is on this list I might come back to ask for a, a pick that I'm more passionate about than you <laughs> would sure. be my, which be my caveat
0: I am happy as I said to write him in pencil knowing that next week is the end of our little run and there will be names to give out and if it becomes a tight squeeze I'm happy for him to be the first one who drops off But I personally feel better about the people from this year who we've got in the the maybe pile. You make a good point. There are probably people who we have shunned in previous years who have a stronger case than the likes of Oscar Isaac and Charlie Cox, purely because that Charlie Cox performance is like, well, it's a one-off. He's probably going to be way better. We're talking about his legacy in general. It's a one-episode thing in a, like, otherwise somewhat compromised show, you know. So, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe we do that. Maybe, maybe... I would I would like to put somebody on this damn
1: list. I, I'm happy to put Bernal on, but uh-huh. we'll we'll circle back to it to see whether... I'm happy for him up.
0: to be in the metaphorical drop zone of when it gets, you know, when the arguments begin, he's the first one who we have to push off the boat. Which, yeah, anyway. So... In pencil, in very light font, barely legible. <laughs> Kyle garcia Banal and Strat Russell—a h- a hilarious name uh, for that character. It was a different time. Anyway, um, the re- oh, and I guess villains. I mean, yeah, Verusia Bloodstone is is kind of fun. The the hunters are kind of fun. I, it's not again, that kind again, of thing.
1: <laughs> I would I would almost like, again, I think the the reason why this does work is I think all three of those lead performances kind of, like, do add something to it. I just don't yeah. know if they add enough to have it be all Marvel. As I said at the top, like, Harriet Sampson Harris's performance in, in Licorice Pizza is wonderful. I know Blank Check, uh, like, really, really stumped for that on their year-end awards. It's just this fantastic kind of, like, weird energy uh, performance as uh, I can't, I can't remember if it's the manager or... No, the the agent uh, for, for Cooper Hoffman's character is just really fun, really kind of, like, specific, and then seeing her in this getting to be kind of, like, very 1950s, kind of, like, hammer horror villain was, was a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> Cracked um, in the head, operating her animatronic husband.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Inexplicably, we've gone for almost an hour, probably after editing... Given how short this thing is, and we've gone almost as long as we do for the movies, but hey, that's how it goes. As I said, next week there will probably be many All Marvels to give out. We've already said we are not doing a Guardian special, so next week will be our final project that we're covering. Yeah, we
1: might we might do another episode if to do the discussion on All Marvel at the end of this to kind of yeah, yeah.
0: We need to catch up on where we're at. Like we we bring it up each episode, but the list is now so big it's not practical to read it out every single time like we used to. So I think we need to just kind of clean that up, go through everyone who's on, sort out some of these
1: maybes,
0: all of that kind of thing. But next week,
1: and then once we've done with recording and editing, actually write the damn article up and put it up on the website because goddamn, when you look at the stats on the website, you guys fucking love listicles.
0: Yeah, people love controversy. Anyway, but yes, next week uh, many all marvels will be given out as we well maybe not that many, but much discussion will be had. What kind of forever? Black like Panther: Wakanda Forever is next, and it will be the last thing we cover for this volume season. However, you want it to phrase
1: it, but... it is a shame. As of to date, the recording of this, and to kind of like put the the date on like when we have to be done with recording of this mini series because of real life commitments that that we <laughs> may or may not have. We will not know whether or not Angela Bassett has won an Oscar when we record. I mean, there, I can tell also. you
0: before we record it, she's getting on the fucking list, but. <laughs> what? Well, we can have some fun talking about it anyway that's next week uh, and this has been Werewolf by Night I've been Matt Waters I've been joined by Ben Phillips thank you Ben
1: thank you Matt uh, remember everyone read Next Wave Read uh, next that, Wave. Is, that is your homework for, for next week
0: you know what I might read Next Wave on thank a plane
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, as always Excelsior Excelsior